Today is known in the church as Good Shepherd Sunday. On the fourth Sunday of Easter season, each year, the assigned texts focus on Jesus as shepherd. In keeping with this theme, the well-known psalm appointed for today was Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. John's gospel passage refers to Jesus as the shepherd who calls his sheep by name and his sheep follow because they know his voice. And in our epistle reading, Peter also witnesses to Jesus as the shepherd of the sheep. But he goes on to tell us that Jesus can also be talked about as the sacrificial lamb. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So on this day, we also acknowledge the suffering of our Lord. Yet Peter goes even further to a discussion of the suffering of the flock. Not only does the good shepherd or the sacrificial lamb suffer, the whole flock suffers. To be clear, not only does Jesus suffer, so do his followers. Later in this letter, Peter says, if you follow in the steps of Christ, of course you're going to suffer with him. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Suffering is not something we like to talk about. It's a word that sounds weak and can even embarrass us. When we do talk about it, we commonly use phrases such as alleviating suffering or eliminating suffering. There is something beautifully Christian and quintessentially American about that. Sorry. We want to root out the causes of suffering and address them. We accomplished folk believe that suffering is something that can be fixed. This is a forward-looking, optimistic, and hopeful stance to take. Yet this approach to the causes of suffering brings with it some unfortunate side effects. The most destructive of which is it tends to make it difficult for us to, to identify with people who are suffering, to enter into their suffering. As problem solvers, we assume that every problem has a solution. Suffering is a problem. Therefore, a solution must be close at hand. The result is that we can find ourselves, even if very unintentionally, blaming the one who suffers. We think, for instance, that suffering is the result of some people's ignorance. People suffer because they don't know how to take care of themselves or their families or loved ones. They don't know how to live by a budget or make the most of their resources. They don't make prudent and healthy decisions. If they would just listen to those of us who know more about these things, they wouldn't have to suffer so much. Or we come to think that people suffer because they are immoral. An ethical behavior produces suffering. Affairs result in broken relationships. Corporate malfeasance runs companies into the ground, and so employees lose their jobs. Breaking the law leads to jail time and the disintegration of families. Like the disciples who asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We can be tempted to think that behind the suffering of others is some moral failure which has brought about these inevitable consequences. Or we decide that those who suffer are lazy. 
In this country, we come from a long line of folks with a strong Protestant work ethic. Many of us believe that we've avoided undue suffering because we've worked hard to make good use of our gifts and our time. If others would do the same, there would be a lot less suffering in the world. Now, it's true that some suffering might be the result of ignorance or immorality or indolence, or perhaps all three. But to use this as an excuse to avoid entering into another's suffering, to dismiss them with a sigh or a shake of the head is inconsistent with our call as Christians. When we find ourselves in this space, it'd be a good thing for us to revisit the stories about suffering in Scripture. When we do so, we find that the biblical witness to the problem of suffering is not a simple one at all. Rarely is suffering traced back to some obvious cause in the life of the sufferer. For the most part, the Bible doesn't try and explain why the ignorant or the immoral or the indolent suffer. Rather, Scripture asks over and over and over again, why do the righteous suffer? Throughout the biblical witness, the people of God know themselves to be God's chosen. They also know themselves to be God's suffering servant. Jesus' witness is the same. He knows himself to be God's beloved. And he also knows himself to be the one who will suffer for God. Those who do the right things suffer. And not incidentally, but specifically for doing those right things. Scripture tells us that the people God loved and trusted the very most often had a very hard time of it. It tells us that it often is the righteous who suffer. The question of theodicy asks, how can an all-powerful and all-loving God allow evil and suffering in the world? It's a question that's been asked throughout all time. And it is in one form or another the reason given by many folks as to why they no longer believe in the existence of God. And yet the biblical witness itself quite contrary to the insidiously popular prosperity gospel, shows us that no level of faithful obedience to God exempts us from experiencing pain and suffering. So what are we to do with this? How does Peter's letter help us to understand our suffering and the suffering of others? The promise of God is not that we who are his people will not suffer. The promise of God is that he will be with us in our suffering. Peter calls us to look at the example of Christ who did not seek revenge against those who treated him unjustly, who did not answer hate with hate, who actually prayed for his enemies as he hung dying a painful death at their hands. The radical choice to hold fire when under attack is almost more than we mere mortals can fathom. Yet this is what Christ modeled. 
And we who claim to follow him are called to enter into our suffering in the same way. This is especially difficult in today's environment. Our civil discourse has become anything but civil. Hate-filled rants posted anonymously online or secretly recorded and then sent viral are common. We have become sharp-tongued, offering up demeaning put-downs and character assassinations. And yet those who try and take the high road, who try and emulate Jesus, are often labeled as weak. They're accused of having no principles for which they're willing to stand and fight. What Peter and Scripture tells us is that those who are able to bear suffering without exacting retribution reflect most fully the image of Christ. Now, it's important that we understand that this is not a call to stay in abusive situations. This is not an invitation to seek out and enter into suffering, suffering simply for the sake of suffering. It's not an appeal to cast yourself as a martyr. It is a charge to walk through the suffering that we will inevitably have in our lives, knowing that not only has Christ shown us how to do so, but He has promised to travel with us. And because we know the inevitability of our own suffering, we're better able to have compassion for the suffering of others. We who have suffered, who have struggled with its injustice, are able to bear witness with those around us who are suffering. And more than this, we're able to enter into their suffering with them. In this way, we embody the Christ who is a companion to all who suffer. During this Easter season, when we celebrate the new life that Christ has laid hold of for us, it is good to remember that choosing Christ means choosing to die to our old selves so that we can live as Christ has called us to live. And the biblical witness to God's most favorite people show us just how hard this can be. In addition to the random suffering that comes from just living in a broken world, we who have committed ourselves to following Jesus will always be torn between the world's priorities and God's priorities. And this will indeed cause suffering. But our awareness of God's presence with us in our suffering can shape the experience. Our suffering can be a witness to others of our hope in Christ and our trust in His ability to redeem our situation and our circumstance. We are sustained by the conviction that our suffering can be transfigured. For the Christian, the path of suffering leads not to hopelessness, but to hope. I close with a quote from Paul who was both beloved of God and who knew great suffering. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen.